Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Press Box series, on which I'm joined by a guest from Football.London. I'm very happy to be joined by Arsenal Chief Reporter Chris Wheatley. How do you, mate? You well? Hi, mate. Remember me? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, good to be here. And um, yeah, re- recovering from last night's 0-0 draw, valiant mm. defensive display from Arsenal. And uh, yeah, glad they could come away from Anfield with uh, with something at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it felt, you say, it's funny you say like coming away with something because it weirdly did feel like a league game to me, like where you, you're desperately trying to like hang on for a point at one of the big grounds. And I think Arsenal, were the, I mean, the first team this season, of course, to, to keep a clean sheet at Anfield, I think the first team since Bayern Munich in 2019 that managed to do it as well. Um, which kind of shows the, the impressive nature of how we held on and dug in after a really frustrating moment, which Granit Xhaka has, has become very behaviourally known for. But uh, yeah, tell me kind of your feelings about how you felt after the game. I saw a lot of the clips you put up on your social feeds around kind of how great the fans were as well in the ground too. So give us your overall feelings of the fixture. Yeah, I think going into the game, there was a lot of negativity, a lot of pessimism. And I guess most of that was to do with the team selection, the fact that Liverpool were going to field a very strong team. And when we saw the lineups, and I, I was checking social media uh, when the Liverpool's lineup was announced, and I didn't see many Arsenal fans um, talking positively about what they think the, the outcome would be in the game. And look, I, I wasn't expecting uh, I wasn't expecting an Arsenal win. I wasn't expecting... Um, a goal fest either, but I was expecting Liverpool to at least win the game. And uh, after Granit Xhaka got sent off, I remember sitting next to, to Kaya um, in the press box, turning to him, and we gave our, each other that kind of look of resignation. Um, but somehow Arsenal managed to get, I say something out of the game, but obviously it wasn't a league game, like you say. Um, but it did feel like it was a kind of uh, point salvaged. Um, but maybe uh, Kaya mentioned as well that maybe it was better that Arsenal went down to 10 men. Kind of agree with him because sometimes mm. uh, it's just one of those things in football that uh, you end up actually playing better um, when you are down to 10 men. And Liverpool found it really hard to kind of get that get that goal in the second half, especially. Yeah, I mean, I was watching at home and Jamie Carragher said those words at halftime. He was like, people say it's harder to play against 10 men. And he went, it's not. And then just, you know, <laughs> as fate as fate would have, uh, Liverpool struggled to break down Arsenal. And, you know, it it was a performance which in particular we saw standouts from the likes of Ben White, who was really, really strong. Bakaya Saka and Gabriel Martinelli playing in kind of these hybrid central midfield roles when Arteta mixed it up, staying wide still, but coming in and playing more centrally as well. It, it was a game for me which kind of highlighted the unity of the group and how much they are kind of buying into what Arteta is expecting of them. Even seeing Nuno Tavares come off the bench in the last few minutes after, of course, the, the controversy around his early substitution at Nottingham Forest. It does feel like this is a group that the fans can really get behind, and they did as well in the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point you make, Tom. I think, uh, I think Arsenal's kind of connection or the players' connection with fans is something that... Um, has kind of been lost over the past few years. Uh, I don't want to name drop players because I think we all know who mm. who I'm kind of referring to. But there, you know, I think it's been difficult for the fans to build that connection. Maybe someone like Aaron Ramsdale coming in has obviously made a big difference there. You know, he's very authentic in the way he acts, or con- conducts himself on and off the pitch. Mm. Um, and I really liked the, as you mentioned, uh, I posted a few videos on of the game of the fans of the game. Um, and I think 
that was one thing I really noticed. The away fans, they're usually pretty good, pretty loud, but they, you know, they completely drowned out. You'll never walk alone at the start mm. of the match. And uh, that was the only really, song that Liverpool fans sung all night, wasn't it? I think just yeah. that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't really hear them only at the start of the game and the end of the game. Um, mm. I think maybe it was a Carabao Cup match as well. Uh, different, um, different reasons, I'm sure. But look, I think Arsenal, yeah, there is that connection now with the, with the players. And I think it's an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan. I said that at the start of the season and I, I say that now as well. I think, it is an exciting time when you look at the project that Mikel Arteta is building and you look at the names that they're being linked with and that they're going for this month as well and in the summer. I think it is exciting. So, yeah, plenty of reasons to be positive. Absolutely. Um, switching from positive to slightly negative, um, looking ahead to the weekend, Arsenal do find themselves in a little bit of a, a pickle regarding squad selection and availability. Granit Xhaka now suspended for two games. Is it? It's not plus the one because he's had one earlier on in the season. I think it's the one for the red cards and then the plus one for the one he had earlier on. So he'll miss the next two games. Cedric, of course, as well, uh, taking a knock and Kai Karnat revealing earlier on uh, as well that that's kind of a expected to probably cost him his place in the squad on Sunday. And that, in turn, has kind of tipped the Arsenal squad availability into the areas of, of unknown and, and concern around whether or not they can fulfil the fixture. Um, there were reports circulating that Arsenal were in discussions with the Premier League around a possible postponement. Where's your kind of head sitting at the likelihood of this game going ahead? Yeah, well, I mean, as of... I can't remember when I published the article, but as of around lunchtime today, mm. um, Arsenal was saying that um, it's still too early to say whether the game could be postponed and whether there's going to be a formal request to postpone the game. Um, as you mentioned, there's nine, ten players missing, but whether you can kind of take those AFCON absentees into account and whether the Premier League will take that into account is mm. a completely different question. Um, but of course, Arsenal players at the moment are um, dropping like flies, I guess you could say. But when it comes to COVID, you know, you have to um, completely take all the precautions necessary. And I think, yeah, there is, of course, a chance it could be postponed. But at the moment, we don't know. So I don't want to um, say anything which could um, prompt fans to change their plans because we don't know at the moment. As, as it stands, yeah. it's going ahead. But of course, um, we'll keep you updated on, on Football London if we hear anything different. Absolutely. I mean, it's a frustrating frustrating time for fans. I mean, I scheduled to go up to the Nottingham Forest game and I cancelled my trip because I just didn't want to risk travelling, paying for accommodation, petrol and all of that. And then to hear that it would have been cancelled and I would have travelled up with a kind of a fair amount of time before the game, having, you know, people I know up in Nottingham anyway. So it was just a case of I couldn't commit. And, and the way the league is at the moment, they are postponing games less than 48 hours, in some cases around 24 hours ahead of the kickoff time. So for supporters, it, it is really frustrating. But as Chris said there, we will endeavour to keep you up to date with any of the latest information that does indeed drop. Um, but regarding squad availability and how the squads and the executives at the club, Edu in particular, are reacting to this is, of course, trying to look into the transfer market and find players that are going to be able to provide them with the depth and quality that they're looking for. You published an article yesterday um, regarding Arsenal's acceleration of kind of their efforts to try and sign Artur Mello from Juventus. Could you give us an update on kind of where that's at after Allegri spoke this morning to try and kind of pour cold water on this situation? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, we need to get his name right. And I know, Tom, you've been teaching me that <laughs> um, before the stream started. Artur, I think, is what we're going for. We're uh, going to go for that, yeah. 
And yeah, look, Arsenal are clearly interested, very interested in the player is what we know. Um, they want to sign him on a loan deal. I've seen some kind of conflicting reports that uh, Juventus only want to sell him permanently. I haven't heard of that. I know that his agent is a uh, big Italian agent, Federico Pastorello, same mm. agent as Lukaku. He's been trying to kind of get him a move in January for a while now. And he actually said in November um, that they're kind of looking um, at diff- he has many, many different options. And Premier League clubs were certainly mentioned among those options. And obviously, we know about Edu's kind of link with Brazilian players as well. We, we don't need to talk too much about that, but it's kind of obvious that um, mm. he'd, be a, he'd be a link and he'd be a player that Arsenal um, would be interested in. But I think this is certainly Edu pushing this one. Um, and we know that there is a, a need for central midfielders. And I guess it's worth mentioning as well that um, Arsenal have um, terminated Miguel Aziz's loan with Portsmouth. Now, um, that was first actually broken by John T. Coleman, who is mm. our Portsmouth reporter at Hampshire Live. Um, uh, what I would say on that one is I don't think it's actually um, kind of linked to Arsenal's midfield shortage. It's because okay. he's not playing enough at Portsmouth. So I, I know a few people were um, speculating, perhaps with the, the time of when I tweeted it last night, it was I think it was at half time. Mm. <laughs> but um, that had nothing really to do with um, Xhaka being sent off or anything like that. So yeah, look, Arsenal short in midfield. Um, Artemelo is a top target in midfield. And I think they'll probably get that one done. But obviously, it's too late to, for him to be registered for the, the game on Sunday. Mm. If it head. Um, but we have to wait and see. Yeah, Arsenal going to be busy this month and expecting a few outgoings as well. It is interesting talking about Aziz. Uh, me and you both wrote pieces earlier on, I think in November, October, November time about kind of the possibility about him returning to the club because things at that time weren't really going well. And it's interesting to consider that he was kind of ahead of Charlie Patino in regards to kind of the pecking order he was featuring in pre-season with the senior side, whereas Patino wasn't at that stage. Patino since has, has earned his debut and has got minutes for the club as well. Aziz struggling at Portsmouth that will be on his mind and, you know, he will have wanted to be playing as many minutes and knowing that there are other players in the youth setup that are pushing for, for minutes in the senior side. It could be that it's happened at the perfect possible time. And whilst they aren't necessarily linked immediately, they could soon become linked if this issue does continue. Um, do you feel like, before we kind of go on to any other position remaining with midfield, even if Arsenal are able to say get Artemelo through the door, do you think that then closes the door for Arsenal in regards to strengthening in that position? Because it is an area that we do seem incredibly weak in, despite the fact we know Partey and Elneny will be returning around the 6th of February, at least at the latest. Yeah, I think right now the priority is getting kind of bodies in. Mm. Um, we know like how difficult the January transfer market is. Um, in terms of signing the right players, um, opportunities rarely kind of come up in January that are suited um, to top clubs. And I think Arsenal have made loads of mistakes, to be fair, um, not under the Arteta regime, but previous regimes in the January transfer window, mm. um, signing kind of injured players or players who really didn't fit the mould. Um, I think they want to avoid those mistakes. And Mikel Arteta said it as well publicly that he doesn't want to sign um, kind of stopgap players. And I don't think Artemelo would be a stopgap. Um, he's clearly a hungry player. We know that he wants to um, get into Brazil's squad for the, the 2022 World Cup. Mm. Um, and I think if he plays regularly at Arsenal, which, you know, is possible because who knows what is going to happen with Granit Xhaka now. He's been sent off again. Maybe he'll be dropped when he comes back um, 
it's difficult to kind of know, but um, I think he will get a few games when he does come and if Arsenal can get that over the line. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's an interesting period at the moment for the club. It is. Uh, it, it has got that sense of when Xhaka was sent off of a case of another incident for Granit Xhaka, especially his second red card of the season, gave, giving away that penalty, be it you know, controversial and there's a lot of debate around that penalty, but still made the referee make a decision in that moment and gave VIR the opportunity to give it too. So it's, it's not exactly like he's been devoid of controversy this season either. And with players like Patino getting minutes and a lot of youth coming through too and with the idea to bring players in and midfield definitely being an area that the club have wanted to strengthen too it's it's going to be intriguing how that interest that you previously reported in the summer of 2021 regarding Roma if that returns in the summer through Jose Mourinho as well so we'll have to watch this space the other main target as we know is is Dusan Vlaovic of uh, Fiorentina played last night wrote a piece this morning about how his game against Napoli really kind of showed exactly why Arsenal should be looking at him great technique style space spatial awareness touch and, and finishing ability to all on display last night in the cameo that he had before he was substituted before the player that's said not to be his replacement but looks weirdly like his replacement in Christoph Piatek uh, coming in from her to Berlin. That situation, do you feel like there could be any kind of slight distractions because of how Arsenal's kind of needing midfield and the way we're pushing for Artemelo that could delay any kind of negotiations if that's even possible along this Dusan Vlaovic story? It's yeah, it's an interesting one, Tom. I'd, I'd actually like to get your thoughts as well on on mm. this because um, you know, having watched Val, uh, Vlahovic last night, um, I'd like to know: Do you think he's a better prospect than Erling Haaland? That's that's certainly one oh, thing. Wow. I'd like to know. I, um, I think he's only second to Erling Haaland for kind of strikers in the same age bracket, but he has a lot of very similar. Actually, he doesn't have the speed of Haaland, but I mean, his touch. For a tall player, the way he uses space, the way he knows when to kind of accelerate and then decelerate his runs to create space for himself, is it's very intelligent for a player of his age, yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Um, but yeah, in terms, of, um, in terms of that deal at the moment, I think we know, in terms of speaking to people who, or agents who represent other players uh, without giving away uh, my sources here, um, there is a feeling that um, Vlahovic is Arsenal's main target and Edu is making a big, big push. I think it's been widely reported as well that he's the Arsenal's main target. I'd be really shocked if it's a smokescreen. And we know that he's a player that Arsenal want to get in. Um, I don't think there has been a formal offer. I think at the moment it's just about convincing the player yeah. and his agents, mostly his agents. Um, and there was a really good interview as well with the Fiorentina um, owner, um, Joe yeah. yeah, which was fantastic. And I really, really recommend um, the readers reading that because it's uh, he talks about Vlahovic and also agents and kind of his views on the game. Um, and he mentions, or apparently sources close to that deal mention that his uh, Vlahovic's agents are asking for 8 million euros and 10% of any um, fee from mm. both the selling club and the buying club. So, that kind of gives you an idea of what Arsenal have to deal with in this deal. And it's not just Arsenal because there's lots of other teams who want him. So it's a difficult one. I don't really want to predict, uh, make a prediction on this transfer mm. because it's, it's quite a complicated one. But I think if Arsenal can get him over the line, get it done in January, they've got a great chance of um, top four. I think 
There's no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a really difficult deal to get done. And um, again, we'll just have to wait and see how the next few days and, and weeks pan out. Yeah, absolutely. Just to touch on the point about the, the formal offer side of things, for those of people wondering, thinking they've read lots of stories about an offer going in and stuff like that. There are kind of differences between offers, formal offers and things going on. It's like the differences between proposals and, and formal offers is, is very clear and, and people should be aware of that when when considering reading through kind of stories about offers and, and speculation. But yeah, if I agree with you, Chris. If he's, if he's the type of striker that Arsenal are looking for and they can get in during this window... The chances of Arsenal achieving their their main goal of getting into the Champions League, the odds of that are slashed because of just how much quality he brings into the team. But it's a very complicated deal. There is a lot of problems associated with the deal, as you've mentioned, with the agent and the difficulties on that side of things. But as you said, and to kind of segue all the way back to what you said at the beginning of this transfer section of today's show, the ambition from Arsenal, the intent from Arsenal to target these types of players it shows that Arsenal fans have a reason to be excited about where this club is going and the type of targets they're looking at as well. Yeah, it was a leading question there, but you've, you've summed it all up. For <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Arsenal have, um, have done great business in the summer. There were a lot of question marks over those deals, you know, spending the most out of any team in Europe. Um, but you look at the signings and the players that have come in, um, I think that all of them have contributed and have shown potential at least, even... Um, you could say someone like Nuno Tavares, who has maybe been a bit inconsistent in recent months, but even him, even he has shown potential. So, yeah, I think there is a lot of promise. Um, and the fact that Arsenal have the ambition to sign one of the best strikers in Europe, I think says a lot about um, what Arteta and Edu and everyone else at the club are trying to achieve and trying to do and build um, mm. this season and beyond. Uh, just lastly, before we wrap up, a quick thing on outgoing. Sarah Kolasinac wasn't on the bench last night. Uh, reports are is that there's pretty advanced discussions going on with Marseille. Is that a deal that's kind of expected to go through in the near future? In the near future, it's a difficult one to say. I think if Arsenal had a, a squad full of uh, fully fit and healthy players, I, I'm mm. pretty sure they wouldn't mind letting said Kolasinac, Pablo Mari go to Marseille and Udinese. But at the moment, they are really thin and obviously Kalasinac, I think it was reported by James McNicholas, he was a potential option in midfield. He was training mm. in preparation. I, ho <laughs> I hope we don't <laughs> in the North London derby in midfield on Sunday, but you never know. Um, yeah, I think those deals will go through, but maybe a bit later than expected because of Arsenal's current situation. Chris, thank you so much as always, mate, for coming on the show and uh, and having a chat about the current going on at Arsenal. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Thank you. Um, no, uh, it's been my pleasure. Where can you find me? Um, just Chris Wheatley underscore on um, Twitter and the same on on Facebook and Instagram. Lovely stuff. We will see you uh, again very soon, of course, if the game does indeed go ahead this weekend. We'll have a reaction show afterwards and then the Arsenal Agenda Series will return at 9.30 Monday to Friday. So we'll see you for that. Fingers crossed Arsenal can get a result this weekend. If it does indeed go ahead, if it doesn't, we'll be bringing you plenty of content in between now and the next game, again, the second leg against Liverpool. We will see you again very, very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.